This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. I don't know. I just work for the FBI. They don't let me in what's going on. Me, I'm just a small arms instructor, that's all. Ah, the big boss will tell you what it's all about. Oh, well, thanks and goodbye. Goodbye. Good luck, Johnny. I think you're going to need it. Good year. Present The Sounds of Darkness. Good evening. The Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, makers of passenger, truck, and tractor tires for every requirement in South Africa's farming, commerce, and industry, bring you Lee Masters, the blind detective who challenges the sound of darkness. Rogers, Eric Egan, Bruce Anderson, George Corellin, and Hugh Russ. Now, let's join the world of Lee Masters in tonight's Sounds of Darkness, Traitors Beware. Sure, Mr. Harris, I've heard of Lee Masters. Who hasn't? The guy's a legend. That's right. I want you to work with him, Johnny. Work with him? Oh, look, I know the guy was one of the greatest agents the FBI ever had, but he's... That's right. He's blind. You're going to be his eyes. Oh, darn it, Mr. Bridges. I'm Samantha Darlington. That's some name. They call you Darling for sure? No, they call me Sam. I'm Lee Master's secretary. Are you on the team? I don't know. He didn't say much. What do you know about him? 
I know he was an agent for nearly 30 years. Then he got blinded in a gunfight, wounded in the head or something. He retired. Now, three years later, all of a sudden he's back. What for? What can a blind man do? With or without his sight, Lee Masters is a great detective. Probably the greatest. In a way, he's like you, a rebel. He hates crime, though. He persuaded the chief that Bureau still needed him. And he needs to work. Oh, not for money, I don't mean. To him, the Bureau is his life. The one thing he hasn't got, the only thing, is his sight. That's why he needs you. Not just any guy. You. He picked somebody that should compliment him. Together, you should be an unbeatable team. That sounds crazy. A blind detective. I never forget a thing, Johnny. Not a thing. I know everything about every crook who ever got booked. I guess you call it a photographic memory. But it's more than a complete dossier. Sounds. This is a world that the average man is only half aware of. When a man can see, he gets lazy to use his nose, his ears, his sense of touch. And you learn all the time. You don't have to see somebody to know they're unhappy. Listen to the way they walk. The way they breathe. Well, what do you say? Are you in? I'm in. Well, uh, he'll do for me. The $64 question seems to be, will I do for him? But do you think it's worth a try? Sure. All right. Anyway, sit down. First assignment, remember Max Lehman? Max Lehman. Spent two years in Belson concentration camp under the Nazis. And came to the States almost straight after the war. Brilliant physicist. After intensive security clearance, worked with our team on nuclear research. Charged with treason, 1954. Acquitted and discharged as innocent. But the public weren't convinced. Disgraced. Dropped right out of the public eye. Ah, uh, that's all I know. That's about all there is to know. Except that two days ago, his body was found at the side of the road about three miles along the main highway heading west out of New York. Uh-huh. He'd been beheaded. Very professional job. Sort of like uh, an official execution, huh? <laughs> exactly. That's not all, though. Somebody had carved a nice little message on his chest with a knife. Hmm. Nice boys. What did it say? It said, Traitors, beware. Hmm. Short and sweet. Where's the body now? It's in the police morgue, New York. Johnny and I will go and have a look at it. But uh, what's so important about this layman guy, anyway? We kept tabs on him after the trial. He left the States and spent a couple of years in Russia. Came back here in 57. We were positive, of course, that now he really was going to work as an agent for the other side. He didn't take a deep breath without us knowing about it. But he did nothing wrong. Went from job to job. When he was killed, he was a medical representative. 
Harry Fisk was in charge of the whole thing. I want to know what Lehman was doing, why he was labeled traitor, and by whom, and I want to know what's happened to Harry Fisk. Oh, sorry, I didn't know you were busy. Well, by all that's holy, Lee Masters. <laughs> Lieutenant James. <laughs> Must be seven years. How are you, Jimmy? Still on narcotics squad? Yep. Oh, but it's, it's Captain now. Oh, pardon me. <laughs> well, how's things? How busy, too busy. Fast as we pull in one dope predator, another one takes his place. Yeah, yeah. Nationwide ring somewhere. Anyway, that's my problem. You probably got your own. Um, how long are you going to be, Mr. Harris? Oh, I'm finished, Jimmy. So long, Mr. Harris. So long. So long, Jimmy. So long, Lee. See you around. <laughs> I suppose you get used to seeing noise and bodies like that. Well, I didn't see it. But we learned quite a bit down there. You did? Sure. Now, Lehman's body hasn't been cleaned up at all. That's just the way it was found. I felt the head. And I felt that carving, traitors beware, on his chest. You saw them both, Johnny. Uh, did you get anything? Oh, no, I told you. The instruments used must have nothing else. Just what you told me while we were down in the morgue. Yeah, that's all. Well, what else was there? First of all, the carving was done while the guy was still alive. And secondly, when the head was severed from the body, the guy was already dead. I had a word with Doc Carter, the pathologist at the Central Precinct, and he agrees with me. He's also going to do an autopsy to determine what the cause of death was. And how did you work that out? By the blood, Johnny boy. The blood on the head and neck. Now, wait a minute. There wasn't any blood. That's right. The heart must have stopped pumping quite some time before the beheading took place. Yeah, I see. Uh, hey, but wait a minute. You said he was alive when the carving was done on the chest? That's right. There was no blood there either. No, there wasn't. But there had been. It had been cleaned off. Probably to make reading the message easier. I'm sorry, that's going too far, Lee. I... I don't see how you could know that. That's why I asked the old guy in the morgue if they used any chemicals down there to preserve the bodies. You see, I smelt ether. And it was strongest around the chest. The carver had used ether to clean off the blood. So maybe they used the same trick and cleaned the head and neck. No. There was no smell there. I checked. Oh, I that, that tells us something else, too. Ether isn't something you find in every home, you know. You'd think the guy would have used soap and water. Now this, coupled with one or two other things, makes it more than likely that the killer was a medical man of sorts and that surgical instruments were handy. Like a scalpel, you mean? Good boy. Well, now I think I'd like to have a word with the late Mr. Lehman's daughter, the one who made the identification. Did you get her address? Yeah, I got it. It's here somewhere. Say, that's funny. What? Her name is Elsa Lehman, and she lives in. Dr. Elsa Lehman, and she works at the Northside Hospital as an intern. Johnny. Yeah? Slow down. Okay. Pull over to the 
car behind us. I didn't notice any car. Yeah, he's been on our tail for the last ten minutes. Could be coincidence. Anybody in their right senses wouldn't use a car like that for tailing. Loud exhaust, souped-up eight-cylinder engine. Probably a foreign make from the way it sounds. That's right, it is. How did you know? No two makes of the car sound exactly the same. When you get down to it, there's even a slight difference between two cars of the same model and here. Anyway, pull over and stop. See what he does. Okay. Well, he's going past with me. Me in 1957, just after you arrived back here. When he first told me who was speaking, I almost cried with happiness. And you never saw or heard of him from then until you identified his body? Not a word. Uh, I'm sure this is painful for you, Doctor, but uh, you appear to have an excellent memory. Can you recall anything about that telephone conversation that seemed strange at the time? I don't think so. Did you... Did you recognize his voice straight away? Well, no, I, I didn't come to think of it. But it was over the telephone. I mean, it was long distance. Oh, sure. But all the same, it's rather strange. If you don't mind, Mr. Masters, I must get back to work. One last question. Who was the bald-headed fellow you were sitting in a car with about 45 minutes ago? You parked in 45th Street. I'm afraid you're mistaken, Mr. Masters. I haven't left the hospital since 6 o'clock this morning. And there must be at least two dozen doctors and nurses who can verify that. You are listening to Traitors Beware. Tonight's Sons of Darkness brought to you by Goodyear, the greatest name in rubber. Let me know when you've checked, will you? 
Lee Nassau's office. Oh, yeah, Mr. Harris. Yeah, I'll tell him. Thanks. Bye. About Harry Fisk? Yeah, Chief. Harry Fisk is 34 years old, not married. Have you checked on that car registration number for us? Uh-huh. Here you are. Registered owner-driven Martin Schrecker. I've got the address here. Good. You sure that was the number of that car, the, the one with Elsa Lehman and the bald guy in it? Positively. And you're sure that the girl was Dr. Lehman? Absolutely. Okay. Let's get around there. Right. I'll pick you up outside. All right, Sam. I want you to check on Mr. Schrecker for us. Right. Get on to immigration. Find out when he came into the States, where he came from, anything you can pick up. Meantime, we're going to give Layman's flat a thorough going over. Wait a minute. Here's something. Maybe some kind of appointment list. Monday, 18th JUS2K. Thursday, 4 AUS50K. Tuesday, 6 SES10K. Sunday, 9 OCS5K. Is that the that? Yes, sir. A minute. Up top here it says 101141145. That's everything. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Maybe not. Yeah. Give me a description of the room again. Okay, here we go. Cane table and four cane chairs. Radiogram, French windows to the balcony. Hold it. Have you got any records for that phonograph? I didn't notice. Uh, hang on, I'll check. One oh one one four one one four five. Oh, classical. Brown, fatal, Mozart. So wait a minute. Here's one. Tomorrow is the yesterday to come. A sunny day with sunny day. Who's sunny day? Top of the pop. Bring that one with you. Let's get back to the office. Martin, I'm not happy about this Lee Masters man. I smell trouble. Ah, uh, please, sir. So what can he do? He's old, he's blind. And he's dangerous. Where does he live? I could find out. Without that young man, he's powerless. Who can be more helpless than a blind man alone? Even you should be able to handle that, Martin. See to it tonight. <laughs> Strange girl, sir. I smell a line. Don't. This is strictly business. I know you think Lee Masters is some kind of superman, but just what do you think we're going to find out here? I just can't guess. What time are you supposed to phone me? 730. Phone's over there. I'll order us another drink while you're away. Funny stop for me. I have a hunch this thing is going to break tonight.
Let it ring. Just as you say, it's your party. Uh, you better answer it. Be careful what you say. This gun could make an awful mess. Lee Masters here. It's just came in with Alpha Lehman. How about that? Uh-huh. What, what do I do? Yeah, okay. Look, what is this? What do I do? Yeah, I understand. I'll call you back. What is this? Are you in trouble? Maybe. Shall I come over there and leave Sam to watch these two? Yeah. Goodbye. Who was that? My, uh, my boyfriend. He always rings me this time of night. Wise guy. You're too smart to live, Masters. Yeah. One thing I don't know, Shrekker. Where did you first meet Lehman? Was it in Belsom? As a matter of fact, it was. It was a traitor even then. He's the squeal to the Nazis for extra privileges. So it was you that carved him up, eh, Dr. Shrekker? That was one piece I couldn't figure. Yes, it was. How did you get on to us? Oh, I knew Lehman wasn't for real way back. When I first heard that his daughter didn't recognize his voice, as a matter of fact. That kind of switch is the oldest trick in the business. Rub out a guy and then send an agent in his place. He'd obviously been sent over here with instructions from the big guys to wait until the heat was off before he started operating. But Harris didn't take the heat off. Harry Fisk had been watching Lehman for nine years. In the meantime, Lehman... What was his real name, by the way? Gaber. Max Gaber. Uh, anyway, Gaber, Lehman, set himself up as a medical representative. A clever cover. But he didn't reckon on the long finger of coincidence. The coincidence that brought him up against the lady who was supposed to be his daughter. Dr. Elsa Lehman. Otherwise, joint head with yourself of a nationwide dope peddling ring. One that's been worrying my friend, Captain James, for some time. By the way, Shrekker, why aren't you at the get-together? How do you know about that? You're bluffing, Master. Really? A little nightclub down in the basement of 101 14th Street? That's the front, of course. No doubt in the best traditions, you have a little room tucked away in the back. There's only one little unknown quantity. Harry Fisk. And I only hope for his sake that he's playing this straight. If there's one thing I can't stand, it's a crooked FBI agent. Hang on a minute. That's better. What happened? Did I get Shrekker in the shoulder? Yeah, you did. Looks like you shattered the clavicle. Well, what's been happening here? He's not the first gunman I've ever entertained, Johnny. I had an idea they'd come for me. That's why I arranged for the fixture to be played on my home ground. See this switch under the desk here? In the dark, I'm the boss. I keep a .22 down here in the bottom drawer. With the lights out, Shrekker was blind, you see. That put me one up. His shots gave away his position. I aimed for his shoulder. 
And I thought I was coming to rescue you. Uh, everybody underestimates me. Something for you to remember, Johnny. All cats are the same color in the dark. complete. Are you happy? <laughs> you can say that again. That's the mob that's been worrying me for some time. How did you get on to him, Lee? It was quite easy. Once we searched Layman's apartment, Johnny and I found that piece of paper. There were a lot of dates and numbers like 50K. I figured that for 50,000. Money Layman was being paid, you see. And then right at the top of the paper was written 10114 one one four five. Well, that was easy. One oh one Fourteenth Street at eleven forty five PM. That's when you broke up the little party, Jimmy. Uh, I hate explanations. Just listen to this record. Another thing I found in Layman's apartment. It's a conversation between him, or should I say Gaber, and the two heads of the ring, Elsa Layman and Martin Schrecker. Okay, Johnny, put it on. So you're the one that's supposed to be my father. Never mind that. It's Doc Muddy. What makes you think you'll be here, sir? I know you two are running a dope ring, using this hostage as a front. <laughs> I'm ashamed of you, daughter dear. Why do you want a cut of course? That's all we need. Switch it up, Johnny. Well, that wraps it up, I think. There's your proof, Jimmy, if you need it. I don't. They confess. I'm layman. Probably died in Russia ten years ago. The body we found was one Max Gaber. He was an agent biding his time till the heat was off before he started operating. As things worked out, he never did get started. What about Harry Fisk? Well, he's clean. After all, there's no law against an FBI agent falling in love. It's his own problem if he falls in love with a crook. of Darkness, presented for your entertainment by the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, makers of world-famous passenger tires, truck, and tractor tires for every requirement in South Africa's farming, commerce, and industry. Join us next Friday and every Friday night at 9.30 when Goodyear will again present the blind detective Lee Masters in... The Sound of Darkness. Across the rugged Indian territory rides a tall young man on a mission of mercy. His medical bag strapped on one hip, his six-shooter on the other. This is Dr. Six-Gun.
exciting adventure series, Dr. Six-Gun. Gray Matson, M.D., was the gun-toting frontier doctor who roamed the length and breadth of the old Indian territory. Friend and physician to white man and Indian alike, the symbol of justice and mercy in the lawless west of the 1870s, this legendary figure was known to all as Dr. Six-Gun. I am Pablo. And take my word for it, I am a man as well known in the territory as the cavalry troops from Fort Dodge. <laughs> and between you and me, there are trails in the territory that Pablo travels that the cavalry rides on tiptoe, whistling to keep their spirits up. For I am a peddler, and the peddler is always welcome. <laughs> oh, that, that is midnight, a raven, a very wise bird. Very wise. Uh, With wisdom he has learned from me. It's right. Oh, my. Straight right. A veritable sage. There is perhaps only one wiser in the territory. My friend, Doc Sixgun. But then he cannot fly, so who is to judge? And that is an interesting question. Who is to judge? For it is my story. It started as I rode the trail into Frenchman's Ford. At the Table Rock Fork, I met a young man, and we rode together. A cheerful young man with a pinto cow pony, with a fancy stock saddle all covered with silver and carvings. I ride an old thing. I lead an old thing. Bound the mountain for to throw the hula hands. They feed in the coolies, they water in the drawer. Their tails are all matted, their backs are all raw. Right around you little doggies, right around them slow. The fiery and smoky are ready to go. <laughs> bravo, bravo. We make a fine duet, eh? Well, you ain't a bad singer at all. Bad? My friend, I have sung before the crown the heads of Europe. Well, I've sung before some crowned heads myself. You? Sure, crowned with long horns anyways. Oh? Oh, candle oil. Well, let me tell you, it ain't easy keeping a herd of spooky beef quiet in a thunderstorm, just singing. Uh, that would indeed be an audience of critics. You're a peddler, huh? I could tell by your pack. And you are a cowboy. I can tell by many things. <laughs> well, you should see me walking. You know right enough. <laughs> you are also a humorist. <laughs> well, anyways, I'm Fred Garth. And I am Pablo. Huh? Midnight. And this, this is my old friend, Midnight. Are you uh, riding to Frenchman's Ford? Yeah, been a week riding. Oh, I thought I knew every vaquero in the territory. I've been punching down in Texas recent. I come back to... Well, anyway, I'm back. You have uh, business in Frenchman's Ford? Yeah. Important? Well, I've been planning this certain business since I was down in the panhandle. Oh, you, uh, you left Frenchman's Ford in a hurry? Yeah, you, you might say about two jumps ahead of three fellers carrying 30-30 rifles. I shot a man. Oh? Oh, it was a fair fight right enough. It was payday, and I... I guess he was a little drunker than me. Leastwise, he emptied a six-gun at me and didn't hit nothing. I hit something. 
Just my bad luck. He had two brothers, so I, I cut and run. A man of discretion. Uh, the atmosphere has cleared in Frenchman's Ford? Yeah. The tomb took off for the Oregon Territory. Oh, I see. And like I say, I got a job to do on the Ford. Well, perhaps we will see each other in town, eh? And celebrate your return. Maybe. It's been three years. I wonder what folks in town are likely to say when they find out that I'm back. I sold Fred Garth a red bandana, and I parted company with him at the edge of town. And he rode off in his pinto pony, singing a happy song about a dying cowboy or an aged horse or something of this sort. A very peaceful song. About 11 o'clock at night in Frenchman's Ford, it was not so peaceful. on your boots and I'm come I'm dressed. Right. I just got in. Well, come on. Uh, now, hold on, Benton. Where are you dragging me? You've got to come, quick. What is the matter, Doc? I don't know, Bantlow. Come on now, Benton. Give me a straight story. They got him. Who? The fellow that shot Arnie Harris in the night in that express office holdup. I just got in from the Arroyo Grande. What's this all about? A fella come riding into town about 11 and pulled a gun on Arnie at the express office, got away with $4,000, then he shot Arnie down in the street when he rode off. Come on, Doc. You've got to get down to the jail. What for? We found the fella. Only he got just a little shot. You got to fix him up. Adlo, get my bag and meet me down at the jail. Pronto, Doc. We don't want him to bleed to death before he gets a chance to get tried and hung. All right, let me through here. Jared. Hi, Doc. Uh, Sorry to put you out of bed. You didn't. Where is he? Back in the cells. Come on now, you boys. Clear out now. Back here. Uh, the other one. That's old Harry sleeping it off in that one. Lock. Oh, I'm sorry, Doc. Be right there. Let me through. Doc. Doc. In here, Pablo. Oh, I have your bag. Let me into him, Jared. Yeah, sure. His name's Fred Garth. All right, you. Here's Doc. See you for bringing him. Not going to last long. We like healthy corpses at the end of our ropes. Fix him up, Doc. It's him. You uh, know this, hombre? A little. I rode with him a few hours. Hello, peddler. All right, son. Where'd you get it? Shoulder? My arm. Mm-hmm. Pablo, cut off his shirt. Oh, what a pity. A very beautiful shirt. Yeah. I won it in Laredo in a faro game. Always was lucky. Now, this is going to hurt. Thanks. That flesh wound. Yeah, that's good. Hey! Hey, boys! He's gonna be all right. Now go on home till tomorrow. Go on! Hold on now. All right. Paddle the bandage. Right here. He'll just keep this clean and no gangrene will set in. He won't have long to worry about gangrene. This is... The one that held up the express office? Yeah, and shot Arnie. Nice old fellow, too. Played checkers with him. Mm. How'd you get this man? Out in Mesa Verde. 
You're sure he did it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he wore a mask, a bright red bandana, but his horse was recognized, and that fancy stock saddle of his. And anyways, we found the mail pouch from the express office in the saddlebag. Hmm. Well, yeah, that does it. How's it feel? Lousy. Well, 45 slug isn't exactly a bee sting. Thanks, Doc. It's all right. I'll be over in the morning to look at it. I'll be around. Uh, I suppose so. All right, Jared. Okay, Doc. Doc, I do not understand it. I rode with him yesterday afternoon. He sang like a bird. Such a man does not kill anybody. Yeah? He did once before. Four years ago in the big parlor at the Silver Eagle. He told me. He said it was safe for him now to come back to Frenchman's Ford. Mr. Jared, are you sure? He was so happy, so so light-hearted. He bought a bright bandana from me. A red bandana? Well, he... yes. Like this one? Yes. That is the one I sold. Yeah. Well, we picked it up where the killer dropped it riding out of town. Oh, it's him, all right. What does he have to say? Nothing. But he doesn't have to. You figuring on any trouble, Jared? Trouble, Doc? No, no, no. The boys all went home. Circuit judge is due in tomorrow night. He runs a nice, quick murder trial. There won't be no trouble. Well, good night, Doc. Good night, Jared. Hey, you in there? I'll bring you some coffee in a couple hours. I do not understand it, Doc. A peddler is a great judge of character. I will stake my life on it. I would go further. I would bet cash that that young man did not do this thing. Well, it sure doesn't look good for him. But believe me, Doc, he was so cheerful. He told me how anxious he was to get back to Frenchman's Ford. He said that there was some business that he had to... I... No. No, I still don't believe it. Well, something about it bothers me, too. You know, I've seen a lot of men face the rope and... Tough or not, they're fighting for their lives somehow. This boy just gives up. Something. Wait a minute. What is it? Someone in the shadows. Who's there? I'm sorry. Oh. Doc Sixgun? Yes. I... You just come from the jail, didn't you? Why, yes, I did. Is he. I mean, you saw him. Is he hurt bad? You're Al Wheelock's daughter, aren't you? Uh huh. Kathy? No, that's my older sister. I'm Jenny. Did you see him? Is he all right? It was just a flesh wound. He'll be all right. Oh. Well, will they hang him? The, um... The territorial judge comes in tomorrow night. There'll be a trial. But they'll hang him, won't they? I mean, there isn't any chance. Hey, hey, now, wait a minute. I told him not to come back. I told him. Oh, Fred. Take it easy, Jenny. Can you help him, Doc? Everybody says you're fair. You won't let them hang him, will you? I don't know what I can do about it. Oh, I... I suppose not. Well, I won't bother you no more. Wait a minute. Jenny, why are you so interested in Fred Garth? I was going to marry him. That's why he come back to town. Doc, I told you. That was a man riding to a girl, not to a murder. I wrote him not to come back. I said I'd go to Laredo or anywhere. But he wanted to come for me here. He wanted everybody in town to know about us. I only saw him for a few minutes yesterday. Doc, they can't hang him. They can't. Jenny, a man was killed. But 
Fred didn't do it, Doc. I know he didn't. I love him. I'm afraid that won't hold as evidence in Judge Passman's court. Oh, Doc, will you help him? Nobody else in town will. He didn't do it. I know he didn't. Well, if he's innocent... Please, Doc. Look, I'll I'll ask around, Jenny, and see what I can find out. Oh, thank you, Doc. Thank you. Do you think my father would just kill me, but do you think I could see him? Why don't you ask Frank Jarrett? Would Mr. Jarrett let me? Tell him I sent you. That might help. Oh, thank you, Doc. Thank you. Oh, please help, Fred. Please. Well, Pablo? Will? If he's innocent, they will. Doc, you know better. When George Passman holds court... President Grant himself couldn't get acquitted. Herman? Well, thank you to close up that bar while I'm holding court. There'll be no whiskey competing while I'm dispensing justice. All right, now. The prisoner has the right to a lawyer. None of the learned gentlemen traveled in the circuit with the court cared to volunteer, so we cut cards. The low man was Mr. Harris, who now appears for the defendant. Incidentally, Mr. Harris lost $15 at five-card stud in the same session. <laughs> See what I mean, Doc? Fred Garth has no more chance than a rabbit in a bear trap. We've just got to wait, Pablo. A prisoner will approach the bar. The bar of justice, that is, the other one being temporarily suspended. <laughs> Here he is, Judge Passman. You heard the charge against you. How do you plead? Guilty or not guilty? Does it matter? Not to me, but we've got to go through the motions. Clerk, Andrew, plea or not guilty? Now, listen, listen, all you hungover saddle tramps. I want no muttering in my court. In the man I ever hanged could complain afterwards he didn't get a fair trial. (laughs) All right, call the first witness. Prisoner, rise and face the jury. <clears throat> Frederick Garth, you've been tried and found guilty of murder in the first degree. I now pronounce sentence upon you. You shall be taken from here to a place of detention, from thence to a place of execution on... Mm, let me see, today's Monday. On Friday, the 24th of July. Uh, what are we going to wait for? What are we going to wait for? Friday, we ain't got nothing else to do today. He's got a right to appeal to the territorial governor. It's the law. Oh, where was I? Oh... And then hang by the neck until dead may heaven have mercy on your soul. All right, Herman, you can open up the bar. Jenny. Honey. (laughs) Doc, take her away. Fred, why didn't, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you tell him you didn't do it? Doc, please. Come on, Jenny. Come on, let go of the bars. Pablo, come on, Miss Jenny. Come with me. I'll take you home now. No, no. I want to stay with him. But it will not help him to see you cry. At least come with me. I have a mirror in my back. You can make yourself beautiful. Me? Well, it is the kindest thing you can do. Now. You come with me. That's all. I'll be back, Fred. Jared, don't let her in here again. 
I was trying to do you a favor, Gar. Well, thanks. I've had enough favors. Jared, let me in with him. Well, now, I don't know, Doc. Oh, come on. If I'm going to have to pronounce him dead after the hanging, i got a right to talk to him alive. Uh, well, I don't suppose it'd hurt. Thanks. I'll have to lock you in with him. Just call her when you want up, Doc. All right. Now, Fred. What are you hanging around me for, Doc? I'm not so sure you're guilty. Well, you heard the trial. I didn't hear much defense for you. Mr. Harris had a hard night playing stud. Fred, now tell me the truth. You didn't hold up that express office. A man doesn't come back to town to marry a girl and then pull a thing like that. Look, I'm a vicious character with an insane temper. I killed a man once before. You heard that? That was three years ago in a drunken brawl. Fred, what are you holding back for? I want to help you. There's nothing you can do. It's as if you're tying that rope yourself. Now tell me the truth. I promised Ginny that I... Listen, Doc. About Ginny. You... You do me a favor, will you? What is it? You look after her for me, will you? I mean... After. She's only a kid. Seventeen. Her father hit her with a bridle strap when he found she came here. Look after her for me. All right, Fred. You're sure you haven't got anything to tell me? No. Okay. Jared? Okay, Doc. I'll see you again, Fred. You want out, Doc? Bye, Fred. Hey, Doc. Doc, one thing. Yes? Just as a favor to you, I'm going to leave my body for science. I'll see you again, Fred. Now, Doc, is there perhaps a case of mooms or chicken pox in the hills? Pablo, I still don't like it. Fred Garth isn't telling the truth. I don't know whether he killed that man or not, but I do know we haven't got the whole story. It bothers you, eh? Look, I'm the coroner. I'm going to have to watch that hanging, cut that boy down, and pronounce him dead. Doc, you, you don't believe the boy did it. Eh? I'm not sure. And I don't like to be unsure about a thing like that. How can you be sure? I don't know. Where are we going now, Doc? Ginny Wheelock told me Fred's mother lives in Adobe Hut out past the Mesa Verde. I want to talk to her. I want to see if I can find out why Fred Garth wants to die. That's right, civil of you, Doc. Pumping for me. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, enough. Enough water for this house. Don't use it much except to wash clothes or maybe make coffee. Won't you sit down, Mrs. Garth? I want to talk to you. Might as well stay out here. Old man's sleeping it off inside. Fred's father? Yeah. He got a skinful of Silver Eagle last night. Boys was buying for him because his son was going to hang. He come home and said it's the first time he ever got any pleasure out in his children, and then he passed out. Mrs. Garth, I've been trying to help Fred. Why? Well, I... I think he's hiding something. He, he came back to Frenchman's Ford to get married. Did you know that? Mm hmm. 
But he won't defend himself. He, he just gives up. Surprise and custody hates himself. Well, he comes by it natural, just like his pop. He's in a pod. Mean. Clear through. But he's your son. He's a Garth. They're all pies and mean. I ought to know. I lived with his pa since the war. <laughs> he was an officer then. Oh, you should have seen him riding off with a yellow sash around his middle. <laughs> yeah, for all his sousing and rioting, he's still got his figure. <clears throat> Did you, uh, you see Fred the day he came home? Yeah, of course, Belle. He come riding up without a buy your leave, and first thing he was in an argument with his pa. The old man wanted a dollar for whiskey, and Fred told him he was saving his money for something else. They fought? Right in the dooryard. I just sat watching, not caring one way or the other. Garth men, both of them. Well, Fred come in after and lay down. His pa rode off. You figure they'll hang my Fred? Maybe. Born to hang. They all are. Well, now, excuse me, Doc. I got to lug this water in for my washing. Hey, hey, boy, listen. Listen to me. I was over at the railhead yesterday. A fella comes into the railroad office with a telegram to send. Well, I ain't that big news. You listen to me. He was sent there by Doc Sixcott. Doc sent the telegram to territorial governor. He asked for a stay of execution. He don't want Fred Garth to hang tomorrow. He asked for a six-month stay. Jared, we ain't gonna wait no six months. I'm telling you, I'll lame the first one who comes through that door. He's blocked. Come on, boys. All right, grab his gun. Let go of me. Give me the keys, Jared. Jared. Let's stop. Out of my way here. Let him in, boys. Let him in. What are you fools up? Doc, we like you all right. Let go of Jared. But you shouldn't try to get a killer off the hook. If you'll listen to me, you I'll... shouldn't have gone and sent that telegram to the governor. Nah, but he didn't do it. Doc. Will you listen? Uh, listen to me. You stick to pills and powders, Doc. Get his gun, Jared. Uh, hey, here, now. Let's, let's go. Now stand away, Doc. We're going to take him. Benton, you're crazy. It, it's murder. You've got to listen to me. I heard Judge Passman hang by the neck till he's dead. That's all we're going to do. Benton, I won't let you what do it. What are you going to do about it, Doc? This... Hold him! Grab him! Don't let him get a gun! Jared! Hold him! You killed him, Benton. Just knocked him cold in a pistol butt. Come on now, boys. We got work to do. Come on, Benton. Let's get in the hat. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Doc. Doc. Hmm. Come on, Doc. Snap out of it. You got to pronounce him dead. Dead? Oh, it, it's over? Well, not quite. We got him on that pin of pony of his with the rope run over the hay pulley up there. We brought you along to make it humane. Here, let me up. Benton, you can't do it. You've got to wait. Now, listen, all of you. Listen to me. You've got to wait. Doc, you want to go bye-bye again? You got anything to say, Garth? Go on. Get it over with. Okay, then. Ah! 
Midnight. Uh, no, wait, 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 he's coming. Uh, it's the paddler. Paddler, over here. Doc, Doc, I got him. What is it? He wouldn't listen. When I heard you fools rushing the jail, I, I sent Pablo out to the Mesa Verde. I brought him, Doc. Tied on my pack horse like a sack of wheat. Cut him loose, right. Pablo. Right away, Doc. There. Hey, that's old man Clark. What's the matter with him? Drunk as a coot. There's your killer. When Fred came home that night, the old man took his horse and saddle and rode into town. He wanted money for whiskey, so he went to the express office to help himself. I found mm. the money under his belt. It was him, all right. Now, get that rope off, Fred. Oh, yeah, come on. Benton, you almost hanged an innocent man. It ain't my fault. Why didn't he say something? He wouldn't turn in his father to be hanged. Well, Fred? You're an old woman, Doc. Sticking your nose where it isn't wanted. Yeah, sure, you bet. Hey, boys, you heard, Doc. Uh, We got the real killer right here. The rope's all ready. What are we waiting for? You're waiting for a trial, Benton. A legal trial. Another six months? Not on your life. Benton, I owe you something, and this is as good a time as any. Pablo, help me drag him down to the jail. Pleasure. Maybe Jared can spare Fred's cell. What do you mean? I ain't done nothing. Attempted murder, resisting an officer, contempt of court. I imagine Judge Passman can figure out a few more charges. All right, come on, let's get the nothing. You can't do this. Come on, Pablo. Let's go. Doc, wait a minute. You all right, Fred? Sure, I guess so. He wasn't worth it, the old buzzard, my father. Well, you understand, huh? Sure. I understand, Fred. Oh, uh, you can do me a favor now. I can? What? Take care of Jenny. Good care. Sure, Doc. I'm going to see her right now. I ride an old pain. I lead an old dame. Found a montan for to throw the hula hand. Feed in the coolies, they water in the drawer. Their tails are all matted, their backs are all raw. You have been listening to Dr. Six-Gun. Doc Six-Gun is played by Carl Weber and Pablo by William Griffiths. Today's script was written by Ernest Kinoy and heard in the cast were John Thomas as Fred, Pat Hosley as Ginny, Virginia Payne as the mother, Roger DeCoven as Benton, William Keene as Jared, and Edgar Staley as Judge Passman.
Dr. Sixgun, starring Carl Weber as the frontier doctor, with William Griffiths as Pablo, the wandering gypsy, has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. <laughs>